soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. But that we had a vital, healthy relationship with him. And I move on from this with what Jesus said. I am the vine, you are the branches. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And he said, if my word abides in you, you will ask what you will, and it will be done for you. So not only is it for prayer for seeking direction or interceding for other people, like we saw in First uh, Timothy a couple weeks ago, but it's just there for him to show himself strong on our lives. It's just, it's there to produce fruit. It's there for him to be working in and through us for his good pleasure. So we want to be a praying people. And I, I have found in my own life that Praying for people and praying for circumstances helps me be a lot more sensitive to the Lord in my interactions with those people, particularly difficult people, and particularly difficult things I need to face. I learned something years ago in this church. If there's something difficult going on, I want to face it in the sanctuary where I sit on Tuesday night. I had a difficult phone call a few weeks ago. I'm like, oh, this is a home game. I sat right there where I sit on Tuesday night. This is where I worship. This is where I pray. This is where I give. This is where I fellowship. Now, this call's coming here in the sanctuary because cognitive and aware of the presence of the Lord. That's how we want to be, men, women of prayer. Now, there's more to it because we get a praying example. But I leave you with this question. Will he really find faith on the earth? Will he find faith in our hearts on the earth when he comes? Verse 9 for us. Also, he spoke this parable, so another parable, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, and the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, <laughs> with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, it is interesting that a good portion of the world prays. But what shapes our prayers? Does God's word, like I shared from John 15 a moment ago, does God's word in us mold us and shape us in how we pray? Or do we just pray like as a means to an end? I mean, a lot of people who don't profess Christ as Lord and Savior, they'll say they pray. I mean, on your phone, you've got this emoji, right? Yeah, I mean, people pray. Or a a big one that I heard a lot in South America was Buenas vibres, you know, like good vibes. And they put the prayer symbol, like praying for good vibes, thinking good thoughts. 
Okay. Since God's put eternity in our heart, most people, if they haven't suppressed it and completely seared their conscience, they have an idea that there's a greater power or a higher power out there they might pray to. And human beings do funny things when they profess to represent God, right? I mean, there's a lot of different world religions that do funny things. And even believers sometimes can do funny things. But I always say, if people are being weird in Jesus' name, it's not because Jesus is weird. It's because they're weird people, right? They're just weird people being weird in Jesus' name. Jesus isn't weird. People are weird, okay? And, we, you know, so we need to make that clear. But one thing that we, we, we often find, particularly that the church can do, like Christians, is that we can um, forget that we've been saved by grace. I mean, we can all do that. And we can be condescending toward other people. And the purpose of praying for other people is not to be condescending toward them or look down on them, but it's to be have our hearts softened toward them and see ourselves like we see them. None of us would really ever want to believe that we're this person who's like the Pharisee that says, um, well, you know, I thank you. I'm not like him and I'm not like them. And I hope none of you would pray like that. I don't think you would because I just don't see that in you. But... There are people that are like that. There are people that profess to know God who look down on people, even in, even in the Christian dome, if you will. And Jesus says here, they just pray to themselves. God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And he knows the heart. And I think our words, because our words reveal us, our words when we're just speaking in general reveal us, and our words in prayer reveal us. And I just think it's really important that as we think about spending time with the Lord and praying and things, that we don't, we don't have a, just a condemning view of other people, that we're not like uh, trying to exalt ourselves by the good things we do, because that's a legal relationship. One of the things I really learned from Pastor Chuck Smith at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, when he was on this planet and teaching, he he talked about, I first heard it in the 80s when I got saved, but he talked about a legal relationship. I'm like, oh. Because in the 80s, always like, we used to tell people, Christianity is a, you know, it's a relationship, not religion, right? That was really big in the 80s to say that. Like, I'm like, oh, you know, like, so my Catholic mom, like, it's a relationship, not religion. She's like, huh? You know, like that kind of thing. And so, um, and up until that time that I gave my life to Christ in 87, I had a legal relationship. I mean, I've shared this many times, and many of you can relate to this. We move toward legal relationship. That is that if I do good, God's going to do good for me. If I do bad, he's got to whack me. Like, it's a pretty basic understanding. And if I got more good than bad, then it's more likely he's going to be obligated to do good instead of whacking me. Okay? Like, that's how I looked at it. And I've, I've, I've said this. It's, it's amazing the religion when we set up in our mind. But I just go back to between 83 and 87 when I heard the gospel and kind of thought I believed it. And so I was kind of like a little bit of like, like born again, kind of Christian faith, but still kind of Catholic and, you know, kind of like Rastafarian and uh, Santana religion, if you will. And just, you know, like, you know, you just don't know. And, um, but I just want to cover my basis. And, and what I always remember is when I was plotting evil on Friday night, I'd be planning to make it right on Sunday morning. And that's a legal relationship. And it, it was so bad in my life that I literally 
I was so bad I wouldn't go to the Catholic Church when anyone was there because I don't want the priest looking at me like going, right? You're that guy. It's like, no, he knows. I knew he knew, you know, like that kind of thing. So I always went when no one was there and I just looked at the crucifix. I'm like really sorry about everything and then just reload, do the same thing. But I would literally with the holy water, I'd hit it twice. Like if you come from a Catholic background, like well, that's for like, but probably need two of those. That's a legal relationship, okay? In my mind, I would walk out there going, okay, it's good. I paid my debts. I could pay in the bills. You know, like, it's good. We're back at zero, all right? We're back at square one. It's a legal relationship. And, like, before uh, a surf contest, be like, okay, don't do anything bad for a month. So God will, like, he'll have to give me good waves in the contest. It doesn't work like that, right? But we can think like that. We can. The relationship we're meant to have is a loving relationship based upon finding mercy in God's eyes and, and just drawing close to the Lord. And the whole idea like, oh God, I fast twice a week, I tithe, I do this and that, I'm not like this guy over here, that just doesn't go anywhere with the Lord. But what matters with the Lord is the loving relationship. Because God's a debtor to no one, right? The book of Romans is basically about that. Like, God is a debtor to no one. He's the justifier of those who are justified through his son's death. And we know that, but still we kind of like, it's like, it's like a rut where we just want to go, oh, legal relationship. Oh, I got this big court thing. Better. Oh, I got a big contest. Oh, oh. I'm meeting with the boss. You know, it's just, and, and, and so, I mean, it's not a bad thing to just really focus in on things. The higher the stakes are, the, the more you should be discerning in prayer and more you should be sharp in prayer. But it's not an obligation to the Lord. And this type of prayer of the Pharisees, like, it's all about him, and it's legal. I've done this, I've done that, and you owe me this. And nothing like that guy. But you see, the real relationship is based upon finding mercy. He said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified because he cried out for mercy. God is merciful on sinners, and I think we know that collectively, but we just can't say it enough. If we exalt ourselves, we will be humbled. If we exalt ourselves, we will be humbled. So it's, look at, look at the wording. He says, verse 14, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. That's self-determination. That's choice. That's free will. Jesus is literally saying here, you have a choice. I have a choice. We have a choice to exalt ourselves and make it about me, 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 or to humble ourselves and make it about the Lord and others. And we've already had the parable like, hey, when you go to the feast, sit at the back table. Let the host invite you forward. And then that way, let him give you honor, but don't, don't purpose your honor. I just finished the book of Esther in my devotions. And, you know, there's Haman. And it's like when the king said, what would, the, what would you have the king do for the man he wants to honor? He's like, oh, do this. Put him on a horse and say, this is the man that the king honors. But it wasn't for Haman. It was for Mordecai, right? If you know the story. He was exalting himself. Same man built a gallow for Mordecai, but he himself was hung on it. And then his sons were hung on a gallow as well. For the measure we sow, we will reap. And the measure we judge, we will be judged. And as a man sows, as a woman sows, so shall they reap. And with the merciful, he will show himself merciful. So we have a choice to humble ourselves. And, you know, it seems like every day there's an opportunity to humble yourself. Like, this little conflict. This little thing. These people. This person. 
I have found one of my favorite passages in the ministry of Jesus is how it says he, as a lamb led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth from the book of Isaiah quoted in the New Testament. And one of the hardest things to do is to just take a verbal beat down from somebody where they really let you have it. And whether it's true, half true, or false, they just, some people just rage. I've kind of figured out, it took me a while, the application's still difficult, but I really think there's a blessing when you can humble yourself. When you're put in a situation where people are exalting themselves and their rights and this thing, and, and you just like, and that you can just take that, a boss, a family member, and you can take that and make that an offering to the Lord. God's going to honor that because that's humility, especially if you know you're right. When someone rails at you, quite often what they're railing at you for is the very thing they're guilty of. Of course, we know that, right? Jesus said, when you say, oh, look at you, you know, this speck in your eye, when you're the one with the plank in your eye, speaking to myself or anybody for that matter. It's just really good to take the, the high road of bowing the knee and trusting God. And yeah, there's times to speak up and there's times to defend the truth. And there's time, obviously. But I just think there's a lot to be said for, as it says in the proverb, uh, a man, a woman who controls their spirit is better than one who takes a city. That humility, meekness is power under control. It's, it's the ability to forgive someone really coming at you when you know they don't have all the information or they're wrong and you're right, but you don't have to be right. That, that, takes, that takes a work of the Holy Spirit in your life, but that, but that produces humility. Think how many people raged against Pastor Chuck Smith all those years. He pastored that large church. The type of stuff he dealt with protesters, people threatening his life, the psychopathic emails, faxes that came into him. I saw some of them when I was on staff. I'm like, whoa. I thought I got some stuff. And just how he, he just humbled himself and let God deal with those things. And now he's gone. With the Lord and a lot of the people who rage against him, they're gone with or without the Lord as well. In our prayer life, we want a foundation of recognizing that we're sinners, finding mercy, and the people that surround us that need mercy are there that we can see them the way the merciful Father sees them, and we can show them mercy as well. It's not about, I've arrived, and they are totally way off point. It's like, you know what? Saved by grace. They need to be saved by grace. And God has allowed these things in my life and put these people in my life that I can have an impact on them. And, you know, when someone's really frustrating you and giving you a difficult time, that is the best time and the most important time to just step aside and pray for that person and ask that God would give you his heart and his mind for that individual Because therein is the key where you can just begin to see them the way God sees them. 
God sees everyone in need of a savior or growth. And, you know, I think you've figured this out. There's a lot of people on this planet that don't know the savior and they're not growing as a human being. They're dying. And we are the Jesus that they see. And we hope to win them to Jesus. But if not, their buffeting makes us more like Jesus for when we go to be with Jesus. So there's fruit either way for us, and we hope there's fruit for other people. We just don't want to be the person that says, I thank you that I'm not like them. We want the person be the people that say, you know, Lord, you've saved me by grace. You've shown me mercy. I, I'm in, I've just, it's amazing I'm even saved. Lord, you're God of heaven and earth, and you've got this, and you've got these people, you've got this situation. I'm going to give this to you. Help me to see these people the way you see them. That's a really good prayer, and that's a wise prayer. And to grow in your journey. Because God wants to bring new people in your life of different ethnicities or social status to give you a heart for them. For that person, but even maybe for that world that they're a part of. If we exalt ourselves, we're going to get humbled by the Lord. But if we humble ourselves and we let circumstances that God allows produce that humility and that humbling, we are going to be exalted by the Lord because we can be entrusted with stewardship from the Lord. Women and men. Now, last but not least, we read these last few verses. Verse 15. Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them, but when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, and he said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. And surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Famous passage, let the little children come to me. They brought infants to Jesus that he might touch them and pray for them. And the disciples rebuked that. So obviously the disciples are a little short-sighted in their ministry in the value of children and babies and all those things. And I mean, you see that, but People get so busy that they miss understanding the future and the value of the future. They miss life and the value of life. And children are so special to the Lord. And babies are so special to the Lord. I think that's just, I know, I don't just think. I know that that's so clear from the Lord. And baby dedications are very special to me. They're very special. I've dedicated a lot of babies under different circumstances, and they're special The children belong to the Lord. They're from the Lord. They're of the Lord. They're his. From babies to toddlers to children to adults. There are arrows in our quiver if you're parents with children. And they belong to the Lord. And maybe someday you have grandchildren. I was with my granddaughter Zippy last night at the end of a long day. And Jennifer told Zippy I was coming over. And she told Jennifer that Grandpa sits right here when he comes over. And I walk through that door from a busy, noise-filled day, and she's like... And I sat right next to Zippy, and she wanted me to push the buttons on this noisemaker thing, A, B, C, and all this stuff. Oh, big mistake, I pulled my phone out. Oh. She's like, no. Right, it's the first word you learn, right? When you're, I mean, obviously all human beings like the first word you learn. 
no, I'm, I'm so sorry, Zippy. And she's like, she puts it down. I'm like, okay, yeah, Zippy. Yeah. I was explaining to her why I was looking at it, but you think she cares? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, really? Like, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, you just love children. Kids are so special. It's such a special time. Children, it's just so special. And just love kids. I love our children's ministry. I love the kids running around here. Every once in a while, they got a little extra decibel level going. And I was like, you know what? I love it. Like, I, I don't even know what I'd do if I didn't hear the sound of the kids running around on this stage after service. Now, when the soccer ball, you know, goes in the baptismal up there. <laughs> but even so, it's just part of it, right? Like, where, where the stall is empty, there's no increase, you know? It's like, there's just, there's just you know, there's, you want life and vitality. And, and I think the thing what children really remind us, reminded, that we're meant to remind the disciples of, of the next generation, of the future, that God's not done, that there's a, another generation. And I think it's really important for us, and just kind of wrap it up with this thought, I just think it's really important for us that we don't lose track. Um, for those of us a little older, whether we're Gen X in our 40s or baby boomers in our 50s and 60s, I think it's really important whether we have children in this generation or grandchildren coming behind them. It's just so important that we see a future for them. I just think it's critical that we see a future for them. And I'm very grateful I get to, you know, like when Gavino's running around here, Gavin Lopez with his Gavino, you know, Mexican soccer shirt on. I'm like, just, just to see him and think about like what life has for him, what the Lord has for him in his life. And I think that's why children are so important because each one's valuable and precious to the Lord, but they do speak to us of the future. Zippy reminds me, that the Lord will be working when I'm off this planet. And I need to invest in that generation, her generation and her parents' generation so that they can be fruitful in their generation while they're on this planet in the name of Jesus Christ. We cannot give up on the next generation and we cannot ignore the next generation. We need to have God's heart for them and whether they're adult children or grandchildren. And I just think that's super important. And these children remind us that look what Jesus said on the verse 17 they remind us that we need to receive the kingdom of God like a little child children are so wonderfully dependent upon their parents and it's such an important stewardship and like we need to have that dependence upon the Lord and I think it takes us back to the prayer that started like your children you you people with younger children they're so dependent upon you I look at Velzi our other grandchild, and he's just so bright-eyed, and he is completely dependent upon his father and his mother to take care of him, to, to keep him safe, to give him shelter and food and water and formula and, and the adjustment to baby food. And it's just, he's completely dependent. He looks at Leah with these eyes of adoration, and he trusts her, his mom. And that's how we're meant to be at the Lord. Velzi doesn't understand faith that's applied to his relationship with his parents yet. Zippy, Zippy just knows like, mom and dad, it, it's there. It's taken care of. And that's how we're to be. That's where it goes back to the prayer that we are dependent upon the Lord. He, he's brought us in this world to be dependent upon him. 
and have that relationship with him. And we're going to end this journey, hopefully depend upon him and have that relationship with him. And in the same sense that a child by faith just receives simple things as being truth at face value, that's how the Lord wants us to be. Because he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of the world. And as smart as we think we could ever attain to, we still face the grave with or without Jesus Christ as the creator and the redeemer of the world. So every time you look at a child, be encouraged for the next generation, be a part of their future, and be reminded that at some point when this whole life cycle runs its course, we're going to just be like totally dependent and looking to the Lord. That's how we want to be. Keep it simple. You know, in coaching, we always say, keep it simple. Too much information. Demasiado información. This is too much information. Keep it simple. Amen? Yeah. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.